so tonight I'd like to talk a little about Buddhism and the Dharma and practice and also something that's caught my attention which is about women and <coughs> women and the Dharma and uh, it somewhat came to my attention from just reading some different articles and, and um, just reading the newspaper uh, but also I was reading about uh, a black woman who um, has accused the lieutenant governor of Virginia of rape and her and her concerns about accusing him you know it's part of the me too movement that is current now and important and um, and she was hesitant to say anything because he was a black man uh, the lieutenant governor and so and there's so, already so much racism in this country that she didn't want to add to the burden of being a black man of her saying something and it pointed to the um, difficulty in her dilemma as a woman as a black woman as an african-american woman so that caught my attention and then i was reading also in that same article then it was about a 17 year old black woman activist who looked really you know smart interesting and and her her own um, difficulties talking about um, the kind of sexism she has to deal with in the activist movement right which is more left-wing-ish right but is of course still um, made up of people who are either immature or bias or prejudice or used to a patriarchal world that they're part of and of course all the men here know about that because we're all part of a patriarchal world and of course all the women here know about it because you know a little bit about the atmosphere of misogyny that is uh, normal and I don't mean the overreaching of misogyny or the extremism, but even just the normal sense of um, men get paid more than women often. And like that's just a normal thing, right? Even though it makes no rational sense at all, right? But that's part of the patriarchal uh, current that we live in that is part of our world. And it also came to the foreground because I have a daughter, a grown woman, who's an actor, and she had, and sometimes I look at her Instagram thing, which is not exactly my thing, but it's my daughter, so I'm happy to see what, what is she posting there. And she's actually fairly political at times about her posts. And, uh, but one thing she posted that I'm going to pass out here, let me I thought I had four, no, maybe I only have three if you could if you could and if you could just pass them around and I'll describe it what you're seeing there is a listing of the Oscar winning films of the last number of years and on the 
on one side you see how much women spoke in those films and on the other side you see how much men spoke in those films and that gives you a real visual about what I'm pointing at in terms of patriarchal reality like oh yeah those films no matter what they are it's all about men and 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 so you'll see when you look at, and please pass them around because on the on this side is the men speaking and on the much smaller side are the women speaking in the oscar winning films right and so that's that we're getting that message just by who's speaking and who's not speaking and uh um yeah and so it's been interesting to contemplate the kind of bias prejudice unfairness the economic component the uh power component the sexual component that comes with um having a gender and of course I'm just doing a binary gender right now to make it simple but even gender is not binary anymore right it's it's bigger than that and we're being a little more clear about oh yeah there's you know people who identify as male and female and then people who are transgendered and people who don't identify as male or female and that's part of human reality and so it's a different reality is different than the atmosphere we live in and that's where a lot of dukkha comes from and of course I've spoken about this before in terms of just racism and and being a person of color and being white and what that's like a little bit and how that um history keeps getting um imposed everywhere and it gets it keeps getting imposed in terms of this uh patriarchal reality and so then i wanted to see okay what what's buddhism right and traditionally in where buddhism came from right which is in northern india right the indian women um i'm quoting now seem to have been looked upon as inferior to men at times they were considered as being on the same level as the sudras sudras were the lowest caste right in in um in india and of course there were four castes i don't know all the castes there's the brahmins and uh anybody else know the warriors the warriors yeah the brahmins the warriors and then the, the, and the pardon the traders the traders right so the merchant caste right and then the sutras were the lower caste or the untouchables i believe yeah and so um and so and women were uh, equated with the untouchables and their freedom was extremely limited they did not have educational freedom and their religious freedom was also restricted and there's a story in the buddhist text when one of the kings uh, was uh, informed that his wife the queen gave birth to a daughter he came to see the buddha 
and because he was lamenting the fact that his daughter was born. And one of the radical things the Buddha did was say that it was to try and make him feel better by saying that daughters and sons are equal, right? And that was a radical thing. And then the, it said, the Buddha unhesitantly accepted that women are capable of realizing the truth of awakening just as men are, but he only permitted their admission into the Sangha after he got pushed on it. Like originally, he, women weren't in the Sangha, in the formal monastic Sangha. Why? Because culturally, it was inappropriate. And so he was afraid of the turmoil it would create for the monks if there were also nuns who were equal. <clears throat> <clears throat> and so at a certain point he he let go and some of that even came from his stepmother who raised him and her pushing against him and wanting to be wanting to practice and wanting to wake up and um, so there's a and then you and then you hear the awakening of different people different women in the Teragata, which is uh, the verses of the elder nuns, of the women of the uh, Buddhist tradition. And you hear this beautiful awakening. You hear the freedom of heart and mind that comes and that is possible for every person, no matter what their gender, or what their class, or what their caste, or what their race, what their status. And here's from a woman named Puna who says, fill yourself with the Dharma. Fill yourself with the Dharma. When you are as full as the full moon burst open, make the dark, dark night shine. Right? And so she's describing what happens when we wake up and how that impacts reality much bigger than ourselves. It's not just for ourselves, but we fill ourselves with the Dharma. And when we become full and we burst open, we awaken, then it makes the dark, dark night shine. Or a woman named Soma writes, she's talking about a man, he said, how could a woman who knows no more than how to cook and clean and make babies possibly reach the further shore on the way? Further shore means enlightenment, awakening. And she said, the mind is neither male nor female. The mind is neither male nor female. When directed toward the rising and passing away of all things, it easily penetrates this mass of darkness. Be serious. What's a few inches of meat compared to the immeasurable reaches of the liberated mind? <laughs> that's a very <laughs> that's a very sophisticated joke, and I appreciate that uh, that kind of cutting sense of humor. What? <laughs> yes, she says. Uh, she says. Um, here, I'll repeat the last part. When directing towards the rising and passing away, towards impermanence of all things, it easily penetrates this mass of darkness. Be serious. 
what's a few inches of meat compared to the measurable reaches of the liberated mind? Pardon? I didn't hear that right. Yeah, you did. No, no, people, you know, waking up is good because you can be very real at times. And she was being very real about what's true. It's like, what's the big deal? You know, really. And except that little deal has been a big deal for thousands and thousands of years in terms of power and in terms of patriarchy and in terms of that our animal nature that males were built not just with you know a, a dick but also they had stronger muscles and things like that so that they ended up ruling and then they took power and kept power and so and in, so buddhism has had its own mix of pluses and minuses around all of this um, uh, because the Buddha uh, brought in women but only after he was forced to, right? He needed to be pushed on to make it happen. And then I have something here, this is from uh, Bernard Faure called The Power of Denial, Buddhism, Purity and Gender. And he said, when, uh, while some scholars see Buddhism as part of a movement of emancipation, others see it as a source of oppression. Perhaps this is uh, only a distinction between optimists and pessimists, but um, he says, as we begin to realize, but if, if not between idealists and realists, as we begin to realize the term Buddhism does not designate a monolithic entity, but covers a number of doctrines, ideologies, and practices, some of which seem to invite, tolerate, and cultivate otherness on their margins. In other words, there can still be in spirituality and in Buddhism an otherness. And you may be aware of that if you're aware at all of what's happened with the nuns in the Theravada tradition in the last 50 or 75 years, and especially in the West, what happened with people who I am friends with who wouldn't let nuns really be equal in their sanghas, the monastics. And this is, you know, and it was a lot of battle about this and a lot of heartbreak about this for people who give their whole lives, I'm talking about the women, and then are treated in a deferential way. Of course, you have the other side. You have somebody like the Dalai Lama, right, who, when talking about women, I, he said a lot of different things. He said, warfare has tr traditionally been carried out primarily by men, and since they seem better physically equipped for aggressive behavior, women, on the other hand, tend to be more caring and more sensitive to others' discomfort and pain. Although they have, men and women have the same potentials for aggression and warm-heartedness, they differ in which of the two mo most easily manifests. Thus, if a majority of world leaders were women, perhaps there would be less danger of war and more co cooperation on the basis of global concern. And he says, I call myself a feminist, 
Isn't that what you call someone who fights for women's rights? Right. And he said, um, and when asked if, if the next Dalai Lama could be a woman, he said, if a woman reveals herself as more useful than Lama, the la- who, if a woman reveals herself as more useful, the Lama could very well be reincarnated in this form, meaning as a woman. That would be a radical change for everybody, especially the Tibetan tradition. And, you know, there's a kind of lack of recognition of the awakeness of women in spirituality because so many of the gods are the male gods or the hierarchy is masculine. And uh, I was I pulled out a book today that I've had for many years called Women in Praise of the Sacred. And it was just so much fun to read the awakeness that women have manifested. And it can be in many different ways uh, and many different traditions. I'll read you a few so you can hear them. This is from Mirabai. She's a bhakti, a heart poet and uh, uh, practitioner. She said, oh friend, understand the body is like an ocean. The body is like an ocean, rich with hidden treasures. Open your innermost chamber and light its lamp. Within the body are gardens, rare flowers, peacocks, the inner music. Within the body is a lake of bliss. And on its white soul, swans take their joy. Within the, the body, a lake of bliss. On it, the white soul swans take their joy. And in the body, a vast market. Go there, trade, sell yourself for profit you can't spend. Mira says, Lord is beyond praising. Her Lord is beyond praising. Allow her to dwell near your feet. I don't know, it doesn't have a title. Pardon? It's, yeah, it's Mirabai. Yeah, she lived approximately from 1498 to 1565, so a while ago. Or from uh, uh, Zhao Wanjin, a Taoist woman. She said, meditating at midnight, meditating at noon, a mind like autumn comes to the way's deep heart meditating at midnight, meditating at noon, a mind like autumn comes to the way's deep heart. Under motionless waves, fish and dragons freely leap. In the sky without limits, only the moonlight stays. Or Zen Buddhist, 11th century Vietnam, birth, old age, sickness, 
death. From the beginning, this is the way. Things always have been this way. Any thought of release from this life will wrap you up only more tightly. And let me say this properly. Any thought of release from this life will wrap you up only more tightly in its snares. The sleeping person looks for a Buddha. The troubled person turns toward meditation. But the one who knows, but the, the one who knows that there's nothing to seek, knows too there's nothing to say. She keeps her mouth shut. That's <laughs> very funny. And yeah, I mean, she's really saying, she's saying, yeah, we, you know, we all start by looking for meditation, looking for the Buddha, going in that direction. We're looking for freedom, release. And then when we start to wake up, we see, oh, there's no, nothing to do. It's all right here. This amazing, precious human life, what is it? What is consciousness? What is, what is listening to me right now? What is speaking from me right now? It's already right here. Right? And she says, so, so when the one who knows that there's nothing to seek knows too that there's nothing to say, she keeps her mouth shut. That's, that's radical liberation. I'm not that liberated yet, so I keep talking. <laughs> and then, um, this is from a woman who I've loved for years, Izumi uh, Shikibu from Japan. I've, I've said this quote many times. I'm trying to see if I have a couple from her or not. Uh, and she's, uh, she says, watching the moon at midnight. Have you seen the moon lately, the last week? There was some great moon happening, really. Like, even, like, I'm not a, I'm not a phone guy, and, but I even, I took pictures of the moon because it was so beautiful, the, the full moon and the radiance of the moon. She says, watching the moon at midnight, solitary, <clears throat> mid-sky, I knew myself completely, no part left out. Like that's wisdom, right? that's awakening. And here's a couple very traditional Buddhist tantric songs. <clears throat> from Kambala, who says, Kiho, wonderful. Lotus pollen, lotus pollen wakes up in the heart's center. The bright flower is free from mud. Where do the color and fragrance come from? What reason now to accept them or turn away? It's the same thread she's pointing out of not doing anything, that it's all right here. Or here's another one, a woman called Tea Leaf Woman, who said, who speaks the sound of an echo? Who speaks the sound of an echo? Who paints the image 
in a mirror. Where are the spectacles in a dream? Nowhere at all. That's the nature of mind. Uh, here's one more Dakini lion face who said Kiho wonderful you may say existence but you can't grasp it you may say non-existence but many things appear it is beyond the sky of existence and non-existence I know it, but cannot point to it. So I, I, I appreciate this because it so par- points to the paradox of the Dharma and of reality and of even aliveness, right? We're all right here, we're all alive. Where does the aliveness come from? And not where does it come from in the past, where does it come from right in this moment? Where does your aliveness come from experientially in this moment? Where is the source of the aliveness that's listening, thinking, feeling, liking, not liking, hearing? You may say existence, but you can't grasp it. You may say non-existence or emptiness, but but many things appear. It is beyond the sky of existence and non-existence. I know it, but cannot point to it. Hmm. A couple more, and I'll read. Um, this also very much, very. I love this um, from uh, Yeshe Sogo, who's. Um, maybe the foremost woman in Tibetan Buddhism, Yeshe Tsogo, who says, listen, brothers and sisters, you who have mastered the teaching, if you recognize me, the queen of the lake of awareness, who encompasses both emptiness and form, know that I live in the minds of all beings who live. Know that I live in the body of mind, in the field of the senses, that the twelve kinds of matters are only my skin and bones. You who have mastered the teaching, if you recognize me, queen of the lake of awareness, who encompasses both emptiness and form, know that I live in the minds of all beings who live. Know that I live in the body of mind and the field of the senses, and the twelve kinds of matter are only my bones and skin. We are not two, yet you look for me outside. We are not two, yet you look for me outside. We are... We are not two, yet you look for me outside. When you find me within yourself, your own naked mind, the single awareness that will fill all worlds, then the joy of the one will hold you like a lake. Its fish with gold-seeing eyes will grow many and fat. Hold to the knowledge and pleasure, and the creative will be your wings." 
you will leap through the green meadows of earthly appearance, enter the sky fields, and vanish. And just to bring it a little more up to date, this is from Emily Dickinson. <clears throat> the infinite, the infinite, a sudden guest, has been assumed to be, but how can that stupendous come which never went away? The infinite, a sudden guest, has been assumed to be, but how can that stupendous come, which, how can that stupendous come, which never went away? And I'm going to read one last one from uh, a more modern woman, Nikki Giovanni, who talks about her but uh, I actually heard this from Jack Cornfield. He said, oh, this is her lion's roar. And of course, the Buddha's teaching is called his lion's roar. And it's beautiful because the roar of a lion, if you ever really hear a lion roar, it doesn't roar with, his, with just its voice. It roars with its whole body. It's one thing when it roars. And everybody listens when you're in the jungle and the lion roars. So Nikki Giovanni, she said, I was born in the Congo and I walked to the Fertile Crescent and built the Sphinx. I designed a pyramid so tough that a star that, a star that only glows once every hundred years falls into the center, giving divine perfect light. I am bad. <laughs> I sit on the throne drinking nectar with Allah. I got hot and sent an ice age to Europe to cool my thirst. My oldest daughter is Nefertiti. The tears from my birth pains created the Nile. I am a beautiful woman. I gazed on the forest and burnt out the Sahara Desert with a packet of goat's meat and a change of clothes. I crossed it in two hours. I'm a, I am a gazelle so swift, so swift you can't catch me. For a birthday present when he was three, my son Hannibal gave, um, I gave my son Hannibal an elephant. He gave me Rome for Mother's Day. <laughs> my strength flows on ever. My son Noah built uh, Newark, Newark, Newark. Newark, and I stood proudly at the helm as we sailed on a soft summer day. I turned myself into myself and was Jesus, men atone my loving name, all praises, all praises, I am the one who would save. I sowed diamonds in my backyard, my bowels delivered uranium. The filings from my fingernails are semi-precious stones. On a trip north, I caught a cold and blew my nose, giving oil to the Arab world. I am so hip, even my errors are correct. <laughs> I sailed west to reach east, and I had to round off the earth as I went. The hair from my head thinned, and gold was laid across three continents. 
I am so perfect, so divine, so ethereal, so surreal, I cannot be comprehended except by my permission. I mean, I can fly like a bird in the sky. So that's a beautiful lion's roar of awakening and of freedom and of understanding something about reality. Those are a few thoughts that I had today about women, patriarchy, Buddhism, and freedom, and waking up, and what we have to learn from each other here, and meaning in this life, in this time, in this place, and also hopefully what we can learn to let go of is the structures and the the structured reality that keeps being handed down generation after generation that keeps people in boxes of who they aren't. So I'd now uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts, any thoughts, feelings, reactions, like, not like, agree, don't agree with what I've had to say. It always makes it much more interesting if we speak together about all of this to see what comes out. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.